Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends, if you're doing it the right way anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Freestyle Friday where we basically just do whatever we want. It's almost like it's, you know, a freestyle or something like that. So let's go ahead and dive in with the quote of the week. The happiness of your life depends upon the quality of your thoughts. Therefore, guard accordingly and take care that you entertain no notions unsuitable to virtue and reasonable nature. This is why I'm so adamant about asking the right questions, because all thought starts with questioning. So the better you are at asking questions of yourself, the higher quality those thoughts will be. And speaking of high quality thoughts, it is time for this week's hot take all about the gym. Now, if you're in the car right now and your kids are with you, you might want to turn it down a little bit, you know, or just let them listen. You know, they got to find out about the world eventually, right? So this week I got a little heated. I did because when I go to the gym, I have this routine. I walk in the locker room and I take out the clothes that I'm going to change into at the end. I put them in the locker, grab my headphones out, put my headphones in, put my gym bag in the locker, leave, go work out. Usually like stretch for a little bit. I warm up either on the treadmill or I play some basketball and then I lift weights. I come back, I maybe do some light stretching at the end and then come back to the locker room. And when I get back to the locker room, I actually really enjoy this time because I don't just shower. I go do a steam room session and steam room is fantastic for so many reasons, actually a lot of different health benefits that come from it. But it also is a really great just mental health practice for me. I like to sit in the steam room. I'm not listening to anything. I'm not doing anything other than being with my thoughts and sweating out everything that's bad in my body, essentially. And really it's a hack to lose weight too. So there's that. And this time I was in the locker room and I had one of those like, am I crazy moments? You know what I'm talking about? Like when another season of Grey's Anatomy gets announced and you're like, okay, am I crazy or should this should have ended when I was in high school or at least should have ended when the person for whom the show is named leaves the show. Anyway, <sighs> Grey's Anatomy gets me heated. Well, yeah, I had one of those moments. So I'm in the locker room finished my workout and I was getting the part of my routine where I was going to change to go sit in the steam room. So I get to my locker and there's a dude that's like one or two lockers away from me, which is, you know, typically how it works, except this dude was naked. Now there's a lot of naked dudes in the locker room. It's a locker room. That's how it works. But I swear some of them liked how long one person should be naked in the locker room. And this guy was one of those people. I, I grabbed my stuff. I hit the steam room for like 15 to 20 minutes, took a shower came back to the locker and this dude was still naked. It, it wouldn't have even been as big of a deal if he was like further away from me or made any attempt to conceal his junk from being in my face. But I had to bend down so that I could change into regular shoes. And when I bent down, you know, you're, you're at a, you're at a hip, hip eye level there. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to be seen. So I am just trying to avoid what's happening to this guy. And I was just like, man, are you serious? You know, like put a towel on, make it your priority to put your boxers on, put some shorts on something like this other guy the other day 
He came out of the sauna, all sweaty and gross, and he just sits his bare naked ass on the bench right in front of my locker. No towel, no nothing, just a big pile of sweat on the bench. And then he gets up and leaves. Like, he didn't do anything. Like, not, like bro, what are you doing? Yes, he was 70 years old, but is that really an excuse? You know that you are sweating like a motherfucker. You just came out of the sauna, man. The least, the bare minimum. Put down a towel. That's it. That's all you got to do. Put down a towel. Sweat on the towel. When you get up, wipe the bench clean and drop the towel in the little towel dropping thing. That's it. That's all you got to do. So then this other guy, it, it was it was even worse. This bigger dude. And I'm, when I say bigger, I'm not talking about muscle. Okay. I'm talking about the guy that goes to the gym and never touches a weight or does anything on the treadmill or anything. And he just goes directly to the steam room and the sauna and the spa and like uses the pool and the hot tub and never touches anything in the gym for purposes of getting in shape. This is one of those guys. I have never seen this man do anything except for just be naked in the locker room. And when that dude sat down, it was more of a fall than a sit, you know, and the sound actually startled me because it was the sound of his butt cheeks just clapping on the bench when he sat down because he was soaking wet from sweat and didn't think to put a towel down or anything like that. And I don't know where I'm going with this other than hoping that I'm just, I'm not, I'm not the crazy one here. Because some of these motherfuckers spend more time naked than I've ever spent naked in my own home. And they're in a public locker room. No joke. I have seen grown ass men brush their teeth naked. They are standing at the sink. They're shaving and their whoopee stick is just flopping on the counter. Look, man, we don't need your old dusty seed bag leaving pube particles where I brush my teeth. Have some damn respect. This isn't your bathroom. We all share this bathroom, okay? I've seen guys talking on the phone with a shirt on and no pants. How is this how you prioritize your tasks? Like, was it really that critical of a phone call that you had to sit on the bench with no pants but you still had your shirt on? Like, why Why leave the shirt on and take the pants off? Why be on the phone in the locker room at all? And if you're going to be on the phone in the locker room, I don't know, just my point of view, maybe throw some pants on. Anyway, I digress. The point is, sometimes just because you can doesn't mean you should. And that's it for this week's hot take. All right, so on a more serious note, because probably should learn something if you're listening to the show. I wanted to do a breakdown on how Rob Deerdeck has absolutely dominated MTV's programming for the last few years with this show ridiculousness. It accounts for 60%, 60% of MTV's total programming. So I had Rob on the show a little while back, which you can check out the full episode on the Travis Makes Friends podcast. But what we want to do is a breakdown specifically about ridiculousness itself. So Without further ado, here's Rob Deerdeck, and listen to him explain how he was able to make ridiculousness ridiculously successful. Have you ever found yourself flipping through the channels on your TV, looking for something to watch, and then suddenly you come across ridiculousness? So how has Ridiculousness, a show where Rob Deerdeck and his crew of hilarious co-hosts just crack jokes and watch people wipe out on skateboards become a hit show that's been dominating MTV for 32 seasons and over a thousand episodes? Welcome back to Ridiculousness. You know who the f*** it is. Well, I interviewed Rob Deerdeck, the host and creator of Ridiculousness, to unpack why the show is so successful. 
And now you own what, 40, 50, 60% of, of all of MTV with ridiculousness or something like that is what I heard. Yeah. I mean, look, that's, it's 60% of all their programming. And it's like, again, I don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of miraculous things that sort of happened over time that, that course, led yeah. to that. Right. Miraculous about sums it up. The show's success can be attributed to several factors that converge to position it as a hit. Here's why in a simple idea is through the course of the show, linear cable flattened because streaming exploded. Then sort of what happened to network television and cable television, it's almost like there was sort of a, a, the value proposition of the content that the audience loves the most from that network, like basically stuck. It's competition shows and, and crime shows on network. It's sort of a hero show on all the cable channels. And then you binge watch all your streaming is what it is. And then what happened in that is then ridiculousness actually became this entirely new way to watch television when you didn't feel like streaming, you didn't feel like waiting for a competition show on network. You could just like, you could land in the show at any moment and watch it for 45 minutes, two hours, leave the room, come back. It served this entirely new purpose in television and in, in content, if you will, that laid to support the viewing habits of all of the other sort of of major distribution channels of content between YouTube, network television, regular cable and streaming. And that's luck. Yeah. That's boy. I tell you what, like that's luck. Now ridiculousness obviously wasn't the first clip show, but a clip show had never been done with the same style. When I designed it and developed it, I read an article with Vinnie DeBona about him having a $500 million syndication business with America's Funniest Home Videos. And I thought to myself, man, I can make the faster, cooler version of that. Yeah, that shows so yeah. slow and it's filled with all this fat. Like if I just like strip it down and make it fast, like that's like a modern way to do it, how I would want to watch it. Cause that was even really before YouTube had really like, had right. really got cooking at scale too. But again, you're the right man, right vision, like, and created something and then made it work. But then you got lucky along the way and market factors that are on, you could have never even seen coming that took the, idea itself to a, a level you could have never fathomed. Since 2011, ridiculousness has become far bigger than anyone, even Rob Deerdeck himself could have expected, cementing itself in pop culture history. Even as recent as a few weeks ago, SNL did an entire sketch on a parody devoted to making fun of ridiculousness. You're watching MTV. At nine, it's three straight days of ridiculousness. But first, an all new ridiculousness. What is up? What is up? Welcome to Ridiculousness. I'm Rob Deerdeck, and you wouldn't know it from my clothes, but I'm almost 50, y'all. <laughs> Joining me, as always, Stilo Brim and Chanel Wiscoon. What up, Rob? <laughs> I'm already laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and today's special guest, you know her from TikTok, is Lily Two Times. <laughs> Yo, what up, what up? Yo, congrats on all your success and 
for looking fine as hell. And another piece of the show's success is because it's accessible to a massive audience. Or like even my dad is sitting there at like his hotel room in some random place, you know, before he goes into a business meeting watching Ridiculousness on MTV, which is a channel that he would normally never tune into. You know what I mean? It speaks to that. Like you said, you can turn it on whenever, watch it whenever. Anybody can watch it and get it and think it's funny. Yeah. And it's like six to 60, man. It it, it like yeah, really right. is like, there's no demo for it. It always rates. And, and, you know, in a, in, you know, since I built the production company, owned the production company, I was able to then even negotiate more off of the changing landscape of the, the advertising dollars and linear cable. So since again, I'm approaching how like from a talent and creative perspective and a business perspective. So even the partnership that I have with the network was much more sophisticated. How do how do we both make this win at a really high level? And and then again, we 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 got the show into a unit economic place that was great for them. Then that then they ordered way more. Then they started airing way more. They aired way more. More people started to watch it. And it it took on this even bigger evolution beyond that. You know positioned myself for all of this stuff was smart enough to create all of this and be multidimensional and highly dynamic within the opportunities as I always have been. But boy, oh boy, market factors, market timing, getting a little bit, getting, getting lucky and things, things hitting and working at the right time is where a lot of this, this, this really like really like unexplainable high level of success comes from, you know, yeah, it's it's a seemingly a direct product of your growth mindset that you had since the time you were a little kid is get into something new. Maybe I don't understand how it works right now, but give me some time and I'll figure it out instead of just being another person that signed a contract as talent and getting your paycheck and and then doing whatever else you wanted to do. There was like, well, how does this work? What how come this show gets paid that much for that spot? How come why can't we do like all these questions, this curiosity that you're constantly feeding? has seemingly led you down this path of just figuring out more and more things and acquiring more knowledge and becoming a more valuable person along along the way. Rob Deerdeck's own vision and persistence were crucial in making Ridiculousness a hit. He saw the potential for a show that would appeal to younger audiences and worked tirelessly to bring that vision to life. He also recognized the importance of adapting to changing market conditions, and this flexibility allowed Ridiculousness to remain relevant and successful even as the entertainment industry continued to evolve. All these factors combined have made Ridiculousness one of the most successful shows on MTV and a pop culture phenomenon. It appeals to audiences of all ages and backgrounds, and its success shows no signs of slowing down anytime soon. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed 
survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent Fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. All right, that is it for this week's breakdown. And now we have the review of the week. If you're listening to the show, you can get featured on a future podcast episode by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. The one thing I would ask you to do is drop your Instagram handle because it's really difficult to know who's leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't tell us the username unless you like put your name or put something in there that we can actually reach out to you and recognize you and let you know that we're featuring you. So uh, throw, drop your Instagram handle in the review of the show and you might find yourself featured on a future, future episode. So Eric, who is this week's review of the week? This review comes from Ali Shu. She says, oh man, thanks so much, Travis. I was introduced to your show by being a regular Impact Theory listener, which I have to say you've been on Tom Bilyeu's show. I, or did you interview him? I, I interviewed him. Oh. It looks like I was on his show though, because it was in his studio. You did things with Tom Bilyeu. When people assume that that's what happened, I just kind of go like, yeah. Yeah, we did stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, big fan of Tom Bilyeu and Impact Theory. She says, you definitely did not disappoint. Not only have I been introduced to all kinds of wonderful people, I get to learn more about this Nick S person, which I think she's talking about Nick Santanastasso. Santanastasso. Hey, you crushed there it. You the pronunciation she said, I'm a very bad speller from a Skorzynski. Thank you. <laughs> and then she says, thanks again, Allison Shuback. Ali, thank you so much for the review. Yes, we do appreciate that. Thank you so much. I know it, it's kind of trite and everybody asks for them and it's something all podcasters do, but it does genuinely help because the thing about podcasting, bro, and I know you know this because you are also a podcaster with a couple of successful shows. It's, it sometimes feel like, sometimes feels like you're just speaking into a vacuum because there's yeah. like, we're not, there's not an audience here on social media. You get comments and likes and you get engagement on a podcasting. Sometimes you just feel like you're, you're you feel like you're speaking into a void. Yeah. So it is good to see the ratings and the reviews come through because it lets us know that we're on the right track and that we're, we're doing some good things. So genuinely appreciate you for leaving the review alley. And we're going to finish off today's freestyle Friday episode with some Q and a from all of you. If you want one of your questions featured in a future episode, just follow me over on Instagram at Travis chapel. And every once in a while, I'll just drop one of those, ask a question posts in there. And we will be answering those questions here and then tagging the people whose question we are answering on future episodes. So make sure you follow me over on Instagram and look for those, ask a question posts that I do on my Instagram stories. So Eric, What's the what's the first question for this week? This one is from David John Photography, and he says, "What are your top three dream guests to interview?" Hmm. Thank you for the question, David. Ah, that's a man. That's tough. Shaq was always on that list. Very very grateful to have done that one. 
but I would love to have him again in person. So I almost want to put him back on the list, but I won't just for the sake of having a variety of my answers. I'm going to put Gary V at the top of this list. And I'll tell you why, because Gary was one of the first people, one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. One of the first, one of the first personal development books I ever read was Ask Gary V and, or excuse me, it was one of the first business books I ever read was Jab, 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 Right Hook, which is what turned me on to the entire world of like online social media marketing that I had no idea existed prior to that book. I, I read that book as an introduction into that world and started following Gary from the beginning. And he was one of the reasons I started my podcast. And I have reached out to him through the years, several different times, several different ways. And of all of the guests that I brought on my show, he has been the most elusive for me, ironically, because he's done a lot of podcasts and I've interviewed a lot of really great people. It's just weird to me that I've had Shaq on the show and not Gary. So I'm going to leave Gary V in my top three because I still want to have a conversation with you, Gary. One of these days, we will make it happen. Also on that list, The Rock. I know, again, that's like super typical and kind of trite. And played you know out. he's interviewed The Rock like 10 times? It's been 10 times. Chris Van Vliet. Chris Van Vliet. He's interviewed so. The Rock 10 times. Chris, if you're hiring a producer, <laughs> let me know. Um, I, I would like to interview The Rock. I think that he's just a fascinating individual. He's done so many things that would be a great conversation. And then lastly, I got to say Joe Rogan because he's the godfather of podcasting and I'm a podcaster and I would love to have a conversation with him because he can talk about just about anything for an extended period of time. Funny guy, really engaging. And I think he'd be awesome to have another conversation with. So David, don't do this again, but you asked more than one question. <laughs> so I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask one more of these. It says to be clear, you're allowed to do it. No, that. ask like, ask yeah. like a ton. That's fine. Yeah. Cause some of them might not get picked, you know, some questions yeah, like are better than right other here ones. is not going to get, yeah, picked, we're going to skip that one. Different, different one. What's this one's an interesting one. I don't think I have an answer right now. What's your favorite soundbite from all of the podcasts you've ever done to date? That is a good question. The favorite soundbite. And I know that you're going to make me look for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After this. Yeah, why don't you add that to your <laughs> projects? <laughs> no, I I would say just top of mind, the first thing that came to my mind because we used it for so many things in our marketing was when Grant Cardone said, you do a great interview, by the way. I need to send some of my buddies over to you. Right. Yeah, this is a great question. You know, by the way, you do a great interview, dude. Thank you. Uh, you know, yeah, I need to send a bunch of my buddies over to you. But he was like in the middle of our conversation that we had that we actually just reposted on YouTube ourselves because Grant had it posted and he still does on his channel right after the interview took place because he thought it was a good interview. And it has like, I don't know, 30, 40,000 views on his channel. And so we finally just posted it on our channel now that we're posting a lot more on YouTube. But yeah, that one soundbite stands out a lot because we clipped that and we used it for much stuff. We used it as a testimonial on our side and endorsements and stuff. So that's the first one that comes to my mind when, when you ask that question. Worthy for 30 says, how do you create an amazing in-person event that ladders back up to your platform? Ooh, for me, in-person events, everybody's different philosophy. I tend to go as experiential as I can and as different as I can. It's not, you know, in multiple contexts, really, it's not the size that matters. It's the quality that matters. And I say that somewhat jokingly, but also to say that to say that you don't have to run a thousand or five thousand or ten thousand person event in order for it to be a success. And in a lot of ways, I actually prefer the smaller events if the host does a good job of making sure that they curate the room a little bit more effectively. So my last live event for really first and last live event that we did. And we just haven't gotten back into that world because COVID shut it down. And, and then we got into software and marketing agency and stuff. And we started, we stopped doing those events. But the last time that we did one, we just put a hundred people in a room. It's like, it's not that many. And we didn't have to spend any money on advertising. It all came through kind of organic and warm audiences from the podcast and from different people that I had known. 
So what we decided to do was go super experiential with it. So instead of doing something something that everybody else does, like renting out a hotel ballroom for five grand for a couple of days and having like crappy, you know, dry chicken that's being served because you have to meet your food and beverage minimum at the hotel and stuff. We decided to do it differently. So we did three day, we did three day event. General admission tickets were 99 bucks. VIP tickets were a thousand bucks. And I wanted to make sure that my VIP ticket holders had an actual difference because I hated going to events where I would fork out the extra cash for a VIP ticket. And literally all they would do is give you a badge that says VIP instead of general admission and then let you like sit earlier. And it was just like, I'm paying an extra, you know, 70% for this. Does this make sense? So what we did is my VIPs got a full extra day at the beginning. So it was a three-day event. On Friday, it was VIPs only. So we had like a 30 per, it was, I think it was 30 people maxed out. 30 person, thousand bucks a piece. First day at a, it was at a barbecue joint on the Vegas strip by the link promenade. And so we, we rented out the whole, their whole upstairs. We brought people in there. We had like, we had barbecue for, for lunch. And then we had a nice little dinner event on their balcony overlooking the, the link promenade. I thought it went really well and it was different. It was unique. And we were starting the day with just the VIP. So what was really cool is on day two, we had general admission join us, you know, for the, you know, I guess general assembly or whatever you would call it, uh, with all hundred people in the room, but the 30 VIPs already had built relationships and we were hanging out and talking and they already had a lot of synergy that was happening. And so it really gave this idea for, I think, general admission folks to come in and be like, oh man, next year I really need to do that VIP thing. So I think we did that pretty well. And then our event, instead of going to a hotel ballroom, we rented out Top Golf for two full days. And so they have a meeting space in Top Golf. And if they removed the partitions in the rooms, it could seat a hundred people at at round tables. And I wanted round tables specifically because I wanted we had a lot of time for additional like networking conversations, hot seats where the tables would meet each other. We had people stand up, walk around the room, switch tables so they can have conversations with different people. At the very beginning of the event, we set the scene by having a trash can, like a mini trash can in the middle of each of the tables. And I had everybody pull out their business cards because I knew everybody brought business cards to the event. And I said, everybody take out your business cards you brought with you. Take a business card out, take a business card out. Everybody's holding their business cards in the air. And I said, okay, see the trash can in front of you? throw your business card in the trash and stop worrying about business cards and start focusing on qual- building quality relationships. And I think like just different things like that, they're different. Every, like every event looks the same. And so I always want to do different things. So I think we threw a pretty like high level event for people who had never thrown an event before on a low budget. Like I think we spent, you know, we spent more than most people do in hotel ballroom events for five, six, seven grand. We spent like 40 grand on the event, but because it was different, was a little bit higher level. We made back all of the money that we spent putting on the event in ticket sales and sponsorships. I brought in a high level lineup of speakers, but the re- the, the way I was able to do that was I didn't have to pay any speaking fees. It was just because the friends that I had made by doing my podcast were willing to come out and spend some time with me and the other speakers that I had coming out. So I spent $0 on speaking fees and brought in some big names that demand pretty high speaking fees. It was like a six figure lineup of speakers. If you're just going to pay everybody speaking fees. So I, I didn't have to pay all of that, but I got great speakers. And then we spent 40 grand and made it all back in sponsorships and stuff. And then we sold from stage and did a couple hundred thousand dollars over the weekend, basically promising future events. Cause we sold a mastermind that was based on like travel retreats and mastermind events that were international, which was also differentiated. Cause again, we're not doing the hotel ballroom experience thing. So There's a lot of ways to throw a high quality event, but my thing is like, if you're going to throw one through like your budget for the event, use it 
in a way that will make it highest quality for whatever group of people you can afford to throw it for, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like if you have, like I would rather spend 40 grand on an event for a hundred people and make it awesome for them than spend 40 grand trying to make it an event for a thousand people. And then everybody has a bad experience because really I needed a budget of 250 grand to make that a really good experience. Well, and most events too, I think you've mentioned this before. I think most events are like the speakers get the pay and there's back-to-back speakers yep. and then you're sitting there going, okay, I'm listening to essentially a live podcast recording. Yeah. I can get <laughs> this I'm content sitting, on YouTube Except where I had to travel right. and shower and wait for lunch. I hate showering. Tell me, you know what I mean? <laughs> get, getting no, ready yeah, for the event. Get, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, and then what am I you getting? leave the event yeah. and you're like, I didn't meet anybody. Right. I, yeah. That cool speaker was there, but I don't have any connection with them versus like your event. It's like, people were sitting there after unless like, I think one or two speakers had to leave, but like for the most part, it was like Steve Sim speaks. Here's 10 people gathered around him talking to him. Yeah. Then eventually it's one-on-one talking with him in a corner or, you know, John Gafford or Bradley or whoever the the people were like, yeah, like Dan Fleischman, Dan Fleischman after he spoke, like I think he spoke before lunch and for lunch we had two hour lunches instead yeah. of the norm. Again, I was just thinking like, what can we do that's different that allows people instead the opportunity to do it? The they, plate, like, literally, oh my like God, some people are like, oh, well, room? you know, yeah. we went over cause we had seven speakers right. from seven thirty AM to 12 PM. So right. it's 1245 and we got to start at one twelve. Yeah. So be back in your chair by one ten, And then there's a 500 people exiting this room and trying to like ransack the local, you know, yeah. anywhere that serves food, you, people yeah. like walking across the street to the gas station to grab a bag of chips so they don't pass out. You know yeah. what I mean? Whereas we had two full two hour lunches yeah. where we brought like the food was actually good from Top Golf that we paid more to have good food, like, like shrimp skewers and stuff like that. Instead of, like I said, crappy chicken yeah. with like a, big old thing of mashed potatoes that tastes like they've been sitting in the fridge for three and a half weeks because they have, uh, because they have yeah, literally. So we, we got real food that was actually good. And then we rented out all of the golf bays in front of the, the event space for the entire two hours. Yeah. So everybody's like chilling, hanging out, playing golf. There's a bar right here. There's people getting a couple of drinks, coming back, sitting yeah. down, they're playing golf. They're eating good food. They're having a conversation. Dan Fleischman, you know, who just spoke is like chilling with everybody. He invited out a couple of friends that were in Vegas yeah. that were like big name influencers. They were like, everybody was hanging out, getting to know each other, building real relationships, having experiences. And that to me was like, that's why I like to do events is to, is to provide that type of an atmosphere rather than yeah. the, like, Hey, we're going to sit you in a conference room or in a, in a ballroom for 12 straight hours. And we're going to start it tomorrow. Like I know it's nine forty. 5 p.m. and you haven't eaten anything all day, but we're starting tomorrow at seven o'clock sharp. So make sure you, right. you know, this is like we started. If you paid I mean, extra, you get to come in earlier than that. Yeah, right. So, we started. We yeah. started at like 9 a.m., 10 right. a.m. or something like that on on one or two of the days because yeah. like we wanted people to go out, enjoy Vegas, get to like. I like events because they have in-person connection, like mm-hmm. you were saying. Like I don't go just to consume content. If I get one to three things mm-hmm. from an event that I can implement when I'm back. I'm good. Yeah. The rest of the time for the, mo- for the most part is spent building deep relationships with high yeah. quality people. That's the reason I go to events. So mm-hmm. when I'm hosting events, I like to make events that build actively build the community. So the question was, how do you make an event that helps support your platform? I assume platform, you mean YouTube channel audio or podcast audience some way. So that's the best way that I know how to do it because you provided such an epic experience that people can't help, but yeah. share the stuff with people. Exactly. I gotta say, hosting an event at Top Golf took a lot of balls. <laughs> how long have you been sitting on that, uh, waiting to say it? 
I've been sitting on it for this whole time. <laughs> Joseph Aubrey says, how hard was it to adjust to the real world after leaving a heavy Baptist surrounding? Oh, so I know, I actually know this guy, Joseph Aubrey. Yeah. Joey. So uh, does he already know? Well, he doesn't know the answer <laughs> to the question, but he <clears throat> is actually the little brother of somebody that I graduated high school with. Oh. So I, I've known Joey since he was a little, little kid because known his older brother since we were little kids. So uh, say, say the question one more time though. <clears throat> how did you adjust or how hard was it to adjust to the real world after leaving a heavy Baptist surrounding? Oh, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to answer the question. Everything was different. Yeah. You know, it's when you, when and it you, presumes that you've already adjusted all the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is probably not true. I probably overcorrected in some ways. I'm, I'm probably finding ways to now like readjust to being more normal rather than like, you know, like for instance, when I left and I started being okay with cussing, cause I'd never cussed like my whole life. I said probably two cuss words from the time that I was That's three until the time crazy, that I was 22. Dude. It's fucking insane. <laughs> but in, and I'm not even in saying it's good or bad or encouraging people to cuss. If you don't like it's irrelevant to me, yeah. I, I'm not preaching one way or the other. But when I started like being more comfortable with, with like letting an F-bomb fly out or something, I had no idea how to cuss. Yeah. <laughs> so I would just say them in yeah. random, like sometimes inappropriate use cases, yeah. sometimes just like saying it just didn't make any sense or I was using a form of it that didn't make any sense. <clears throat> so if you use that and apply it across a bunch of different scenarios, like yeah. how to behave in social settings, how to drink but not drink too much, how to talk to like members said, of the opposite learning. gender without <laughs> yeah. feeling like, you, you know, because we were taught growing up, every day it's a possible mate. So like, right. don't talk to anybody that's not the, the person. You're, it's just like learning every aspect of that. There was probably a lot of like going overboard the other way, doing it incorrectly and just feeling it out. But <clears throat> I think the answer for me was just, I did, especially with the podcast and everything, I did so, so much activity in such a short period of time that it was like drinking from a water hose learning. Right. And, and I think that that was, you know, almost necessary to like learn how to adjust and communicate effectively with, with people who had no idea the yeah. way that I grew up. Right. What does spirituality look like for you now? Is that an actual question? I'm no, just adding to it because oh. I'm saying that's part of adjusting that I think about all the time is like, yeah, cause it, there's, you know, there is so much of a, like, oh, there's purpose to this. There's meaning to this. There's, yeah, you know, and sometimes that's like a struggle for me of like, like there's moments you feel like, I feel like praying, but it's like, yeah, it's, you know, my signal, you know, is not great. Like, yeah. So it, like, what does that look, or does it look like anything for you now? You know, like, what is that? What's replaced that? For me, it's more of a purposeful reconnection to the things that I know for sure exist and the things like that God, I, like the Lord, <laughs> like Jesus, like me yeah. and my family right, and nature, yeah. you know, like I was watching through this series recently, the last kingdom. It's like a set in Viking time, you know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and basically like the main character in the show, if you haven't seen it is he's born as a Saxon. And then the Vikings, the Danes, basically kill everybody he knows, raid them, take him, and they raise him as a Dane. Mm. And so he's always, in the whole series, he's caught between these two versions of religion. It's like the Christians of, you know, the Saxon world mm -hmm. and then the Danish gods like Thor and Odin and stuff. Yeah. And there was one scene that I remember where like the king was saying something about how he won't, like he just won't adopt God and he won't li listen to God or whatever. And, and he replied with something like, something about, you know, I'm out 
Oh, he was asking why he didn't go to church. He's like, you won't go to church. Just go to church. Like he, he was killed like, everyone. <laughs> Normal response. Problem number one. Yeah. But his response was something about how, how much time he spends among the trees and the grass and the sky. And mm. he's like, I don't believe in your God, but if you really believe in your God, wouldn't it make more sense to connect with him here than in like a stone walled church? No. And it was like, that's kind of more of this, the, not to, you know, say my spiritual philosophy is based on a, you know, TV show that I watched last week, but it was a, it was like a, a good answer to mm. me to the question because I do think that I engage in spirituality, like spiritual modalities better by doing stuff like that, like meditation, mm -hmm. spending time outside in nature, breath work, reconnecting with me, who I am, the people that I love the most, like feeling those feelings of love, of kindness, of of the, the things that I would imagine a higher power or energy to have that would unite us all. So that's that's kind of more for me, you know, doing yoga. Mm -hmm. things like that just things that allow me to like reconnect with being yeah. present almost almost like a little bit more toward buddhism mm -hmm. kind of but not fully yeah but that's that's kind of more how i think about it now yeah yeah i'm a big advocate for going outside i'm not joking is this, it's not, <laughs> it's like like a bit. something no something no, no, no. you really wanted to say no I'm, i was gonna say like truly like going outside and like reconnecting like it sounds like super woo woo but like yeah but the reason that it sounds woo woo to us is because that's right grew up. People but like honestly woo -woo. like if you get off a really so shitty it's therapy. call yeah right <laughs> psychologists but, are woo woo but if you get off like a really shitty call or you are having things go wrong like if you go outside and walk around and like like even without your airpods and like literally just listen to the air mm -hmm. look at the trees like Yep. It's a little woo, but it, it really is like, it honestly is like the best, like mental health advice I can give to people is like, try that first. Yeah. Like try literally not being in Go fluorescent lighting yeah. and going outside and just like breathing yeah. <laughs> and like taking in the world. And you realize too, like you start, you're walking around like a park by your house. And you're like, the world is so big. Mm -hmm. And like, my problems are so small in comparison right. to all of this. So gives anyway, you a fresh perspective. I'm a big advocate for going outside. That wasn't a joke. <laughs> now I feel like I need a good joke for that. But this last question I think is a really simple, easy question to end on. It's very cool. simple, easy answer. Um, I feel like that's not the truth. Miss Ruiza says, how did you do it from the very beginning? <laughs> Maybe we'll Actually, save that one. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Elisa. So Elisa and I used to knock doors together <clears throat> in Fresno selling alarm systems so she watched me leave that world and everything in the online world, podcasting, everything yeah. that's come after that. So I think that's the basis of her question. Elisa, you can let me know if I'm wrong on that or if I'm right on that. But I mean, from the beginning, it literally looked like I was, I knew I was done doing door to door. So I stopped that immediately and I started consuming personal development, listening to podcasts, reading books, audiobooks, YouTube, mm -hmm. basically just searching for like some sort of a direction that, that I wanted to go in. And then listening to podcasting is eventually what made me want to start a podcast. And I actually started the podcast before I left Fresno or right after I left Fresno. In, I hired my coach. You were back in Lancaster. Because we, yeah. we moved back to Lancaster. And we moved, to, moved back to Lancaster because Jackie's dad passed and we were just trying to go be around mm. a bigger support group of like family yeah. and friends. So we went back to back to Lancaster from Fresno and ended up moving to Vegas like nine months later. But that was when I, I started the podcast and I was still knocking doors on the sides. I was selling water purification instead of alarms because the commissions were bigger and just trying to figure out how to make the podcast thing work. And then 
invested a ton of money in masterminds and coaching, almost $40,000, over $40,000 in the first 12 months mm -hmm. trying to learn how to make money online. But it was a, I put it on a 0% credit card and I paid off the credit card before I ever paid a diamond interest from sales that I made on the new online business. And that was enough for me to just be like, you know what, let me downsize everything in my life, move into an, a small apartment with my brother-in-law. And like, it was me, my wife, our two dogs, my brother-in-law and like an 800 square foot, two bedroom apartment up in Summerlin in Vegas. So we downsized everything, sold a bunch of stuff, got rid of almost like all of our shit, bro. Like when we moved from Fresno to Lancaster, we had to, we were like, I was like 23 yeah. and we had to rent the biggest U-Haul that you could get and tow a car behind it. And it was just a realization of like, why do I have so much shit? Yeah. I don't use any of this stuff. So we we threw away so much stuff. We downsized our, mm -hmm. our rent payment went from, cause we were, we were renting when we first moved here was like almost, it was like 3,200 bucks a month when it was like renting utilities. It was a nice house in a nice area. We split that apartment. It was 900 bucks a month total. Yeah. So like our total, like share of that for rent plus utilities was 550 bucks. So we just cut down on everything we possibly yeah. could cut down on just start making money on the online business side. I was making like three or 4,000 bucks a month, mm -hmm. but I would, it was, it was the crazy because it was the first time in my life that I stopped doing something that made me, I was making 10, 15 grand a month selling water purification part-time. Yeah. And I stopped doing that completely to do this new thing that was making me three or 4,000 bucks a month yeah. that required me to downgrade my lifestyle and, and not travel as much. What a stupid decision. Things. You had it made. It certainly looked that <laughs> way. But, but yeah, I just, I trusted that this was going to be the path forward. So I did that and then started selling whatever I could sell mm -hmm. uh, in order to, to make a little bit of money. And then that moved into, I basically just kind of like kept listening to what people needed and kept creating services and, and products to solve the problems that people mm -hmm. wanted me to solve for them. So that was like podcast coaching, masterminds, events, COVID hit, masterminds, events shut down. Now we're doing coaching, coursework, starting development on, on Guestio, raised money, started a marketing agency, and then rebranded the podcast. Podcast makes money now. We have a production company now. We have Guestio booking agency now. We have Guestio the software. And then we have Travis Makes Friends podcast and YouTube channels plus our social. And that's that's everything. That's That's pretty much a from 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 door to door alarms to where I am now is like a overarching thirty thousand foot view. A lot of other shit happened in the meantime, but that's more or less what. There's eight hundred episodes of the podcast. To yeah, figure figure it out. Props to you for fitting all that in. But thanks, Lisa. <clears throat> yeah, it's awesome. Well, yeah. If you have any other questions, be sure to keep an eye out on Travis's Instagram at Travis Chapel. Keep an eye out for stories because I think you pull. I mean, even before we started doing this, you were pulling randomly to see what people want you to talk about. Yep. Uh, so keep an eye out there, and you're always free to DM questions as well at Travis Chapel. Thanks That's so much it. for listening. That is it for today's Freestyle Friday. We will see you guys on Monday with an awesome new interview. Peace. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.